Seems to me you look just like a boiled egg in the <laughs> Hello and welcome to a special lockdown episode of Grape Culture, the podcast where three women drink wine remotely, talk about pop culture and what is going on in the world. Oh, and also some feminism. On this week's episode, we're going to be talking about ageing and how we feel about getting older as women in our 30s now. But before we get into that, we have some wine to discuss. So what has everyone bought today to discuss the topic of being an old bitter bitch? (laughs) Kim, why don't you go first with your bitter, bitter wine? With my bitter, bitter (laughs) wine? I have old wine. I have a wine off of 2016. It is a Cote de Rhone. Um, that I got from Majestic Wine Warehouse. The reason I chose this was for two reasons. Number one, it's from 2016. It was one of the oldest wines that I could find within a reasonable budget. And then I led me down a super fun rabbit hole of, of how to keep wine and how basically most wine that you buy off the shelf is not designed to be kept in the cellar and you should probably just fucking drink it. I also chose it because Cote Jerome is one of those reds that I have grown or like French wines I've grown to appreciate a little bit more as I grew up. Like I came to red wine about 10 years ago, I guess, and then started very much with the like super sweet stuff. And I do like, do like a lighter French wine every now and then. So yeah, so this is Iguagal Cotron. Um, following closely in the footsteps of founder Etienne Guigal, who vinified 67 vintages, Marcel and his son Philippe, deeply rooted in the terroirs of their region, are dedicated with passion and discipline to making the finest wines of the Rhone Valley. The motto of the Chateau d'Ambrie, hard work reaps its rewards, illustrates the family philosophy of quality aimed at achieving the fullest and most consistent expression of the noble Rhone appellations. Okay, I feel like I haven't learned anything. <laughs> it's super it's, I mean it feels super fancy just you don't really know what's happening do you just like here's Etienne and Marcel that's it so I have a wine today oh um, uh, shocking half name of the podcast Kel's fucking surprise my friends and it is a wine that is unusual in that I was given it a year ago and I haven't drunk it Ooh. and I was actually given it by the people on this podcast and our other friends. Oh, yeah! The... Yes! So um, I was due to go to Australia this year, which obviously didn't happen because of coronavirus and as a very lovely gift. Um, Kim and Alex and uh, our producer Holly and our designer Tylee gave me some very lovely vouchers to go to the Sydney Opera House along with a bottle of the Barossa Inc. Shiraz. I think it's a Shiraz. Yes, it is. Um, so I got this because it is the closest to an aged wine I'm ever going to get. I have held off drinking it for a year, <laughs> which is really good. And it is also from 2017. Uh, so it's older than this year. That's why I have this wine. And also I know that I like it. <laughs> so I'm going to drink it. Um, and Alex, what have you got? So I too have a red, reds all round. The reason I chose a red, it is the season. So because obviously it's a bit chilly out, so red seem more fitting. Um, But also I chose a red because I sometimes feel that I would purchase a red in a pub just to appear more refined than I perhaps am. (laughs) (laughs) When really inside... I am just a basic white drinking bitch. And so (laughs) I feel that like with age, you just try to appear more adult and more refined. But really, deep down, you are just the same person. So I wanted to get a red (laughs) for that reason. Um, Also, it is called uh, Val de Bio Bio Malbec. And I thought that Bio Bio was like, not like B.O. is in silly, but like is in like a bio, like you might write a bio about yourself. So there you go. That, that's my links. <laughs> also, the label that you just held up there looks like the rings of a tree, like an oak. Oh, you know, yeah. when you have a tree. Oh, age. Well, there you go. That's a, a much better thing than just me saying the word B.O. B.O. Yes, it does look like the rings of a tree. And it it does say on the back, actually, that it was made using oak staves. So I think that they probably are meant to be rings of a tree. 
there you go cool unintentionally matched there you go (laughs) in a way you didn't expect and it's also 2018 which is the oldest i could find on the shelves of co-op so that was also (laughs) why i mean the tasting notes maybe they're quite long i'll go i'll go quickly a smooth Malbec from one of Chile's southernmost winemaking regions, the Bio Bio Valley, winemaker Dijo Bios has created a plush, fruity, red with flavours of blackberry, cher- cherry and smoky vanilla. The valley's cooler climate allows the grapes to ripen gently, which produces an exceptionally concentrated wine. Terrific on its own, but can otherwise be enjoyed with steak, meaty stews or rich vegetarian dishes. There we go. Lovely. I can see where you picked it. Is there a Malbec in the world that doesn't go with steak? It's literally the point of Malbec, pretty much, is to go with steak. <laughs> well, no, it, the I think the point is, Kim, is for me to appear refined. Thank you. <laughs> and to get shit And to get shitted because it is 15. Well, 15% isn't that strong, is it? No, nah, it's pretty strong. It's quite strong for. Okay. Yeah, Great. Strong. I'll get Good shitted luck. too. <laughs> Cheers. Well, here's to getting shifted and to getting old. Cheers. Ooh. Let's drown our sorrows. That does taste different to when I just buy this off the shelf Ooh. and then drink it straight away, which I was not expecting. Good, Good different or bad different? Sweeter. Mm. A bit more like port. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. How about you guys? First, first sip is quite juicy. Immediate heartburn. <laughs> Love those. Yeah. It's... It's just an interesting and different variation to my general preferred winter wine. Mine's fine. It is very oaky. You would expect that considering it says oak on the back and it's got oak. (laughs) Yes, one would expect that. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) So, ageing, getting old, being older. I should probably also preface this by saying when we say being old, we are not particularly old we are at the very very foothill of our 30s which for people listening might either think fuck you old or they might think what are you complaining about but either way that's where we are so why are we talking about it now because it's your birthday why is this because it's my birthday (laughs) (laughs) happy birthday birthday. birthday. yeah so i uh will be by the time this podcast goes out i will have turned 31 and i am the last one of this crew to do so not that i want to brag about that read only a couple Um, months mate only a couple months (laughs) (laughs) i have never calmed my tits i have successfully uncalmed my tits (laughs) so yes i we will all have hit the grand old age of 31 and also the podcast itself grape culture uh, has just passed its second birthday so happy birthday to and a particular thank you if you've been with us since the beginning which i know some of our listeners have so that's why we thought aging was a good point to talk about this but what do you think are the main differences that you've noticed in yourself as you've as you've aged particularly from i think going from 20s into 30s because when you're young as in when you are under the age of 20 nothing fucking bothers you you're like a rubber ball do you think (laughs) (laughs) just bouncing through life unaffected by hangovers i'm guessing that's what your difference is then sam hangovers (laughs) oh no no i've had i've had horrific hangovers since the age of 18 mainly because i don't know when to stop I don't think I don't ever remember having hangovers until like about four years ago. Really? Yeah. Because I remember working with you a good seven or eight years ago and uh, you wrapping yourself in bubble wrap to try and make it stop. That is true. I obviously my life is longer <laughs> than I remember it being, and in my head that wasn't that long ago, but it really was. <laughs> my life is longer than I remember it being. It's <laughs> an amazing quote and I want it on a cushion. Yeah, that's my next album. Yeah, I, as I have aged, have somehow managed to care more and less at the same time. Um, I distinctly remember not having as much general persistent anxiety before the age of 24. Like I had various mental health issues, but I don't remember it being as bad as it has been in the recent years. But that might just be 2020. Who knows? Or, you know, 2016, as when my wine came from, when the world went to shit. 2016 is where it all started. <laughs> when the world went to shit. But at the same time, I also care less about a lot of things. Like, I was always pretty okay with marching to the beat of my own drum. But, like, as I've got older, my fucks be more barren about if people don't like what I'm into. 
I'm I'm much more comfortable with, or I should say, even more comfortable with my identity, like who I am. So I worry about everything all the time. But the thing that I don't particularly worry about is whether people think I'm cool or interesting or just as well. <laughs> yeah, no, it is just as well because I'm not cool at all. And I think the part of that is I just embrace that really early on. <laughs> But like, I worry if people like me, but I don't necessarily worry if they think I'm cool, if that makes sense. And I only worry if people like me because I don't want anyone to be mad at me, ever. Yeah, there's there's a difference between being a nice person or think people thinking you're a nice person and being like, oh, but she doesn't know what the latest albums are. And even by saying that sentence, I was like, I am painfully uncool. <laughs> I was about to say, do people even, like, I don't know. What like, is album? <laughs> do people, like, measure people's coolness based on music taste anymore? I'm not sure they if do. they do. They actually they do. do. Yeah. I think they do. I think it's all about, like, how much you give a shit about the climate change or something like that. Like, I... <laughs> so, here's, here's just a very brief example, just to jump in. So I've recently started a new job. There's a, um, a channel going on there about um, a collaborative playlist on Spotify and so you know you can get the feeling of being in the office but without having to listen to everyone's shit music by everyone just picking three songs and putting them on this playlist and I went on it and I went through it and I was like I know absolutely none of these people I know none of these artists and they were all like weird synth EDM or like indie things and I was like nope not a clue and then someone at the bottom had just comment the only track they put on there I want it that way Backstreet Boys hero <laughs> respect and which is the person you'd want to be friends with <laughs> that person clearly but yeah it's all good in the it's head, all good in which the is all the cool kids <laughs> which is what all the cool kids say because i'm really cool if i not established that that i as i've got older so you've i've got, got cooler you've got significantly cooler in your own estimation but not in anyone else's I've got, significant, <laughs> I've got significantly cooler with myself i care a lot about what people think always have probably always will because I want people to like them because I want people to be happy I do not give a fuck if you don't like that I'm listening to Westlife Alex what's your major difference I don't know I think I think you've hit the nail on the head actually Kim by saying you know you care more about stuff but less about stuff as well um it's almost like the tables have turned on what you care about and what you don't I think inevitably with great responsibility comes great sadness um <laughs> All right. Show opener. Show opener. <laughs> but um, so obviously you have more um, in your life that you're responsible for. I mean, you know, Kim, you're the only one here that like owns a house, but you know, we've still got or all pay council tax and have oh, debt. Oh, fucking and, tell me, yeah. Like, and you know, and all, <laughs> and all that kind of stuff. So you know, none of us have got are not married or have children or anything yet, or maybe never. Who knows? But we have more responsibility than we definitely did in our 20s and so I think that brings more stress and I say the word stress because I realized it was it was about two years ago I think maybe even less maybe a year and a half ago I had uh, something that happened at work that I honestly realized that that's what stress was and I used the word stress so often like battered it around but this was something that I had never felt before. And I was like, shit, this is actual real stress. And it's stopping me sleeping. And it's affecting, it's worming its way into every part of my life that's not just my job. And I think that is part of aging. So you care more about, about the things around you that you can't control, which is like ridiculous, because actually, you can't control them. So you should just let them go. But I think when you're younger, your world and your bubble is so small because you just care like in the small things around you. But as you grow older, you realise the world is so much bigger and you're like, fuck, I need to contribute to it as well. Because when you're younger, what the things that you would sort of class as out of your control, I think, are in ways buffeted by your parents or your caregivers or should, um, should, yeah, should be. And even in situations where that might not be the case there are uh, things that you as a child don't have to deal with like you don't most of us as children aren't paying council tax or thinking about these other things and so yeah when when that kind of buffer is removed and and you're doing it for yourself you're like oh fuck there's so much more to worry about than which beanie baby do i buy next (laughs) 
that's, that, there's, that, there's, that, like, there's the middle stage <laughs> there and I think like you know teenager to mid-20s where like everything is really stressful it is there's no re- I really really want to emphasize I do not want to take away from the fact that that mm. is a really difficult really stressful mm. those stresses are real those feelings are real difficult period of life because everything is brand fucking new as well like I think that's one of the things that it's really easy to forget even at the grand old age of 31 that the reason why the world felt like it was ending at 15 because someone didn't like you or because you broke up with someone or you had a friendship breakup or anything like that is a because that's a really genuinely traumatic and difficult thing to deal with for anyone at any age it hurts it hurts to be in a breakup it hurts to have a friendship breakup or a relationship breakup or to feel like you're failing at whatever it is that you've set yourself to task whether that's school or your extracurricular uh, extracurriculars or your you know in adult life your work and be because as a teenager or in or you know in your 20s generally that's going to be the first time that you've come up against this emotion it's a brand new emotion and it's important to recognize that like that doesn't mean that everything that you feel later than that is any less stressful, any less difficult. Any problem that you have to solve, whether it's conscious or not, if you've done it before... You have a reference. You are equipped in some way to be able to deal with it again, which doesn't necessarily make it easier. It just means it might be it might be faster or you might be able to recognise certain things in it. Also, yeah, exactly. Also, yeah. when you're a teenager like, and you... like you're still discovering who you are, like we said a moment ago. And so you, you're you not quite sure if if how you're reacting to this situation is genuinely you or mm. is it just what you've learned what from you the people think. around you or what you think you should be acting like. Whereas, I don't know about you guys, but now if something happens to me, it could be just as traumatic, it could be just as stressful, it's whatever regardless if I've tackled it or not I mean all of us are facing stuff we've definitely not fucking tackled before yeah yeah I mean none of us have ever had exactly we're all having to like (laughs) tackle new things but I feel a lot more fucking secure in myself and who I am than if I'd had to tackle this as a teenager yeah and I think yeah I think that's the thing like everything is a lot more extreme you have the added aspect of the fact that like you have a lot less control as a teenager or an early 20 something because for the same reasons that you have a buffer, you have a lot less control. You have a lot less choice as to how to change something, how to rectify a situation, how to adjust a situation. Like, this is a ridiculous example, but, like, if I have a really bad friendship breakup right now, like, if we all suddenly stop speaking to each other and then I obviously break up with my boyfriend and fuck it, I'd move. I'd move. Yeah. I'd, I'd move yeah. cities. But I don't have, like, I you can't do that at 15. Yeah, kind of frowned upon. And, they, like... I think you you just have a lot less say over things and you feel like even down to sort of or up to a structural political level like you don't you for an extended period of time there you can't vote you can't you feel like you cannot make any actual real changes and that faced with something that you've never experienced before and a system or a perceived system a a cage essentially that you feel like you can't do anything about that's why I think that those problems sometimes mellow out with age because you have more agency as you get older and then having anxiety is like an extra little cherry on the top there um that has emerged as I've got older as I start to, as the stuff that I can deal with has dropped away, if that makes sense. I think anxiety, yeah, the anxiety thing is is interesting because, and I think with all of it, is it is your parameters shift, your frames of reference shift. You know, now our worries primarily when we are anxious or concerned about something come down to quite big things like losing a job and then losing a job and then not being able to pay our bills and then not being able to pay our bills and then not having a home and then like everything kind of snowballs in that very big sense whereas it does still do that when you're younger but the frames of reference are different it's my friend's not going to talk to me therefore no one's going to talk to me therefore uh, I'm going to be miserable for the entirety of this I can't you know like I'm going to be sad at school I'm not, I'm not going to do well at school and like it I think it can still snowball but our, our the end point change. is different of course they would yeah the end point is different and I think there's a difference now as well because we're talking about it as people who we are millennials in that we quote came of age in the millennium and post 2000 gen z have very different 
worries. I mean, you just got to look at like um, uh, the Extinction Rebellion and Greta Thunberg, and like they are much they are much more savvy about this stuff, and they are much more clued in, and uh-huh. they, they they do care a lot more than we did when we were that age. Well. On the whole, I say on the whole. As a generation, rather than I didn't give a shit at that point. No, I didn't give a shit. I just didn't know what to do, and therefore I went. Mm. But also, I don't think think it was as prominent in our lives. I like, I I mean, politics, and unfortunately, you know, the climate crisis has become political, whether fortunately or unfortunately, but it is more at the forefront of what a lot of uh, politicians and people are talking about on a daily basis. And I don't ever remember politics even entering into any of our conversations when I was a teenager. Like literally, like maybe apart from one of my friends wanted to be on the like local youth parliament and that was about it. And she was a massive minority but like Trump and Boris Johnson and Brexit and all that kind of stuff that we fucked up recently. Are, the 2016 effect. The 2016 to now effect. It's just, I think it is more prominent in teenagers and young people's thinking. And I actually, as much as that's a good thing, because they're the people that are going to impact change, because they can be like, this isn't on. I think it's quite scary because Generation Z do do care about that. I had a I had a chat with a young person who just said, I feel so helpless and I feel so worried all the time because the world is dying around me and I can't do anything about it. And I was just so shocked because I was like, I like I mean the biggest worry when I was your age was literally just like, do people care about my music taste? Like it's just a, it's completely different and it's horrible because it is so beyond their control and it's overwhelming. I, I worry that this generation, as much as they're going to make a change and they're brilliant, I do worry that they're going to be overwhelmed and have anxiety and stress younger than perhaps we did. And I think it's been there have been various things that have proven that that is already the case and that the generations coming up now, which are Gen Z and then the alphas following them, mm. are going to have more of this because they're the ones who are going to have to live through the consequences of things like climate change. Uh, whereas we are going to be old as shit, which is not to say we don't care. It's just it's going to have a smaller impact on our lives because we're not going to be here. Mm. So many of our generation, the generations that preceded us, are just like, no, no, not blase. But that's not what I mean. But you know, it, it's less pressing mm. almost. You consider the fact that we were born in the late 80s. And then in that time, we grew up in a period of reasonable economic um, stability because we were in the West during the 90s, all the way up until 2008, really. Yes, climate change was probably on our radar and we were taught to reduce, reuse, recycle at school and that kind of thing. But it was kind of a, it's nice to do this, it's not essential, is was the the message that I yeah, remember. I mean, recycling feels relatively school. new in households, yeah. like, to be honest. Yeah. There's yeah. a hole in and the in ozone the- layer, don't use Charlie spray. Don't use deodorant yeah. spray. Yeah, exactly, yeah. And then since 2008, when we went into the first big recession in whatever it was, 30 years, we've gone through that. We've also gone through the shitstorm of, and I'm going to say from 2016 onwards, although it doesn't, the year doesn't stand in isolation. It was um, some of its predecessors. You had Trump being elected. You had Brexit. You had um, David Bowie dying. Let's not forget that. And Alan Rickman. But no, like you had those years and then everything since then has been this kind of like rocky slide and we're now in another recession and it's like that's only in the last 12 years and it's no wonder that our priorities as we've aged have changed because as, despite the fact that we are just getting older, we are getting older in a time where everything has changed very, very fucking fast. Mm. God, we're <laughs> God, we're fucking No wonder screwed. we drink so much, jeez. Yeah, that's another thing. I uh, <laughs> Drinking. That's increased. You know, when people, I I can't get over meeting people now who are my age or roughly my age who are like, oh, yeah, so I had a bottle of wine at the weekend. I'm like, hmm. You had one? What do you mean? What do you mean you had one at the weekend and you didn't drink during the week? How did you get through your working week? Yeah, bonkers. Explain yourself. Especially like (laughs) the fact that we're all working from home at the moment as well. Like, how do you differentiate between the day and the nighttime? This is the only way I know how. In the daytime, sober. In the nighttime, no. (laughs) (laughs) Tea, coffee, wine. How do you do it? So we talked a bit about the pressures that we felt and how those have kind of shifted, you know, 
the pressure to listen to the right music or care about the right things when you're younger whereas I think we can all agree now we care about things because we want to care about them and they're important to us rather than because someone else is telling us to do we think that's fair oh absolutely yeah yeah Yeah. and do you feel that the pressures from other people have increased or decreased as you age because I think there are different expectations like obviously as we said parameters shift um priorities shift and there are different expectations now. So, for example, we are 30-something women, all in steady relationships, all living in an affluent area of the world, all white. Do we feel that those that being in that bracket brings a pressure that might not happen at a different age? Or does it free us up? I think there's definite societal pressures when you reach 31, especially being in a, a steady relationship. It's like, oh, biological clock ticking why haven't you done anything about it so I think I don't necessarily feel the pressure I just feel the expectation and they can be the same thing but they're also slightly different as well I think I think pressure is only if you feel like you have to act on it because someone else wants you to whereas expectation is they want it but you might be like sod off yeah Um, and I think also that comes down to the fact that like you say we're three been very fortunate well-educated white women in an affluent area so we can tell them to fuck off <laughs> so uh, because we feel like we can um, and that we feel that we're governed by our own kind of choices driven by our own kind of desires and wants and so to an extent we can be selfish in our desires however you want to take that but um, I think work-wise is quite interesting because I really remember because I've been in my particular position with quite a fancy job title. It doesn't mean it's a fancy job. It's just got a fun, fancy job title. <laughs> um, but a fancy job title for, like, four, I think it's like four and a half, five years now or something. So I first received it when I was in my mid-20s. And I remember someone making a comment that was just like, wow, like, you're so young and you've got this job. How amazing. Like, And I think that has definitely disappeared now. And there is an expectation that at 31, if you are driven by career, if you're in a particular career that people expect you to be driven in, that the, oh, you've passed 30. Oh, okay, well, you're where you need to be, if not, should be reaching higher. So I think there's that, I feel that expectation, definitely. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I um, I agree. I was I was thinking about like the traditional line is you know oh I'm a 31 and everyone's everyone's expecting me or pressuring me to have babies and get married expectation and pressure that I do feel has been buying the house has been being financially stable has been doing a job that is and I think this is this is a modern quote-unquote modern woman have it all kind of pressure and expectation is like doing a job that is your true artistic passion and fulfills you in every single aspect and I really love my job just gonna put that out there really enjoy my job really like what I do but I used to work in what most people would consider to be a passion job um the job that fulfills my true passion of working with books and antique books and yeah you don't make that much money but you're you're living the dream and I was fucking miserable and it nearly killed me and I quit that job and I now work in a job that I'm good at that I enjoy that I can mostly leave at the end of the day that I I am passionate about I am passionate about the company that I work for I am passionate about the work that I do I enjoy it I'm but it's not because it's not obviously creative obviously passion driven because it's not on paper someone will go well you're interested in books and you left a job in books to do this therefore it's not your passion like I get I feel a lot of pressure and expectation that I should be doing something I should be doing something like capital D capital S like I should be writing a novel or I should be like that this is this is supposed to be some kind of stopgap to the my big something and that's that's an interesting shift for me because I think growing up I always thought that the pressure would be that I'd be doing you know capital D capital S doing something and people would be expecting me to stop doing something and have a baby and get married and and 
what's actually happened is that I have found that as I've got older, there is a pressure that I should be having it all. It's like the millennial version, if that makes sense. Like, I I don't think the pressure for me personally is have babies, get married. It's do a startup, write a book, open an Etsy shop, start a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you've done two of those. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Two out of four. I think I think also like millennials I think traditionally the reason they say that we're quite fucked up is because they say that we were told we could be anything we want and then if we're appearing to either either that goes one way and people are fucking stressed because they're like I want to be this and I'm not making it or actually I don't want I don't want that and I'm not fitting into this box of passionate and driven so who am I? if I'm not that. Like, the millennial generation is this weird, it's this weird hybrid of, like you say, kids that were told that the world was their oyster you go, and you can do what you like and you work hard and the world will reward you for that and that's all you need. And also this generation that is, I'm going to use the word plagued because I sometimes find it quite quite a burden, this, this plague of self-care and self-love and self-acceptance, which is like, no, it's okay to just to just be and to just do and you're like right but these things don't marry in my head I can't I can't work hard and get the things I want and take care of myself like I find it really hard to reconcile those two things like either either you're working yourself to the bone or you're just concentrating on getting through the day and I don't know about you two but I just I find it really difficult to know where I should be sitting in that like I can't if I'm doing one I'm not doing the other Mm. Yeah, and I, think, <laughs> and I think related to that though is the idea that like that it has to be related to your work. Like to be passionate and driven, to be following your dream, to be caring about something has to be related to your work. Like we've we've had this conversation a lot this year because of the world, and this is my this is my personal stance. But like I think that it is a pressure that people feel and that we've all felt, which is that your passion and your identity has to be related to work it's really interesting us talking about this because we say that we don't care about what people think but part of me wanting to stay in my job is that I couldn't bring myself when people ask me what do you do and for me to say something other than what I am because I feel it represents me more and is more exciting and that's totally just based on other people's judgment the first thing people ask you when they meet you is what What do do you do? do Yeah. yeah, And it's not fair. It's not fair because our, a British society, I can't speak for any other society, but British so- society completely judges a person straight away on the job that they do. I personally feel very creative in my professional life. I'm problem solving and I, I get to do a lot of wonderful things, but it's not books. And because most people see my identity as books, they're like, oh, well, you can't possibly be enjoying it. And I fe- felt for a while ashamed to be like oh yeah I'm an office manager there's nothing wrong with that and I think that that's that's my weird tangent about aging and expectation and pressure and how it's changed for our generation for how I feel now from what I thought it was going to be 10 years ago where I thought that I was going to be I don't know fucking I thought I was going to be queen editor at something or other and someone were going to be like I thought I was going to be Miranda Priestley and someone was going to be like, but when are you ever going to have children? And I'm like, oh, but I'm so busy. I'm so busy and I I haven't found anyone because I'm just so hard to love. And turns out it's all bullshit. Actually, Miranda Priestley had two children. I know, but it was a (laughs) reference about her coldness, not about her fucking family life. I know, I know, I know. Because that's something I haven't. (laughs) That's something you have a passion. You're passionate about. I'm really driven to be a dick by dicking people over. Career is such a big part of who you are, and especially as you age, because it becomes you. You make whether you are progressing in terms of a management structure or whatever the hell your job is, or whether it's that your job role changes or you take on more projects or you do like, there's no, you know, there's no linear progression to this. It becomes more and more a part of your life. So obviously it's going to become more and more of your identity and knowing how the way you earn your money fits with your identity as a person is a really instructional and educational thing as you get older. I think, I think it also helps when it comes to things like, 
hobbies as you grow up and that sort of thing is as you grow up <laughs> I still don't feel grown up my mum has always said this thing to me she's so my mum is uh so how old am I my mum is 71 and she always says and has always said like I don't feel it every I feel like I'm 18 and then I look in the mirror and I've always been like oh but you know your age don't be stupid you'll be silly you know you know how old you are and then suddenly I'm like I don't I've got to that point where I'm like, no, I don't feel the age I am. I don't feel 31. Uh-uh. I don't feel like I've done any of the things you should do. You should do when you're 31. I have a good career, but beyond that, I'm like, I am a potato. Don't know. I am 22. Like that's my age. In my head, I'm 22. Oh, I'm you, 27. Either of you have like a 27. Yeah, I'm 26. 26. 26. I my my dad uh, said something. I suppose, along the same lines, but maybe slightly less sad. Because <laughs> I just imagined myself going and looking in a mirror and being like, oh, no. I'm um, 18. Um, <laughs> please. Also, my mother and kids are like 22, so I'm like, this is on you, mother. <laughs> You've done this. Um, but my dad said uh, to me once when I caught him smoking weed, <laughs> um, he said that you, that you don't actually grow up. You just get better at pretending. Nice. And and I just always I relate to that. I think you know, like going even going back to the fact that you know you say that when we're teenagers we haven't gone through it, and then you have gone through it, so you get better at the next time. It's just like well, we've done it all before, so we get we've got practice, and we get better at pretending to be all the things that we we are meant to be, or you know we're expected to be both in work and out of work. And somehow it's both reassuring and terrifying to know that everyone around you is doing the same thing and everyone everyone is pretending and everyone is like, regardless of how confident they seem, regardless of how experienced they are, they're going to be in situations where their brain is just going, Aah! and then they don't know what they're doing. Yeah. It's reassuring to know that we're all just children pretending. Yeah. And who can legally buy booze? <laughs> and who can on legally that, get off their tits on that note shall we pretend we know anything about wine and have a brief summary of how we're finding our wines i think we all know more about wine than when we were teenagers so no i knew uh, quite a bit about wine when i was a teenager i knew that chardonnay oh, you're such a knob. <laughs> i knew jack shit that i in fact i, I didn't even wine. drink i just hated had, it you know, parents that drank a lot I feel, I, do you know what? I feel like I know more about wine than I did two years ago when we started this podcast. So there you go. Ah. That's a little nice thing. You've grown. How's everyone finding their wines? I really like this wine. Yay. Um, Good. Yay. I'd not, I hadn't had it before you guys bought it for me. And I, well, this is obviously the bottle that you bought. So I've had it since, but I haven't had this bottle. Does that make sense? It does make yeah. sense. Yeah. Um, so I know that I like it. It is big, thick good red which is what i want none of you none of your fancy thin french shit Kim. that bottom red australian <laughs> i never read my tasting notes earlier can i do it now yeah go for it for the makers of the award-winning grant burge burge yeah uh barossa wines comes this palette palette buster of a shiraz ink by name and ink by nature this wine is sure to leave an impression on all this intensely dark blockbuster blockbuster mm, yeah fair enough it's sourced from grapes grown across the barbossa Barossa. Barossa, not Barbossa. I'm thinking of Barbossa from Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> Shit. Um, from the Barossa, Australia's premium Shiraz growing region. Decadent, rich berry flavours pack an immediate punch, which is balanced with hints of mocha and dark chocolate. Best served at room temperature and paired with full flavoured food such as slow roasted meat or rich Italian ragu. Oh, very specific. Warning, best drunk when not wearing light coloured clothes. I am wearing a black and white jumper. Um, just like ink if spilled, this wine will leave its mark. I like that it's like, don't wear it if you're a messy bitch. <laughs> Love it. Love it. It's good. What about your wines? Mine is very thin red wine. From Malbec, that's very disappointing. Yeah, it does look a bit watered down. Yeah. I, I mean, it's part of the co-op irresistible range, and I would say that I would resist it. <laughs> so. Okay. Uh... <laughs> Mine be as tart. It be tart. It's like weirdly sour in a not. It's gone off way. Just in a the first sip was okay, and it kind of went downhill from there. Way sad. Doesn't sound great. I'm not having the best time, if I'm honest. Oh, I yeah. Maybe not. switch over in the break. We won't tell anyone. <laughs> so we're gonna have a break and 
maybe have a wee and then we'll be back to talk some more about getting older and we will also be older when we get back so we're back from our break uh we've still got our wine but and we're going to talk some more about getting old so first question uh just a just a light one plastic surgery now this is something that i think people increasingly think about as they get older particularly women is it something you would ever get done i when we were younger obviously plastic surgery was quite a i don't think it was a new thing i think it's been around for a really long time but you could definitely tell the people that had had plastic surgery they had that kind of shocked look no facial expressions massive lips you know boob jobs were like a massive thing that looked a massive thing literally like people that usually or maybe the people that we were aware had boob jobs they were to definitely go a lot bigger and they looked very very fake I think also in the 90s noughties the fake look was definitely more fashionable anyway and I think that's less fashionable now and so I always had an aversion to it I'm not saying that now I would definitely get it I really don't think I could get plastic surgery I I think it's also like I'm not a massive fan of needles. I'm not a massive fan of knives. I've never had any kind of surgery before. I think it would just scare the shit out of me. I would also like to say the thing that I said off air is that you've had piercings. Yes. And you stumped me when you said this. Because it... it, It is a body modification modification for um, purely cosmetic reasons. It is. But... And this is absolutely no, like judgment this is a terrible thing it's just like what no, why is one, why is that why accepted is yeah I don't okay well just in terms of if we're not lumping plastic surgery or body enhancement or re- whatever you want to call it into one big lump thing piercings hair dye uh maybe eyebrow tinting or whatever I'm okay with I'm not going to inject or cut my face or body up. I don't think I could do it. Not because I'm like morally like against it, just because I'm just like a bit squeamish about it. Fair enough. Kimber, you look thoughtful. Yeah, I was thinking about how um, when I was younger, I was way more into the idea of plastic surgery based on his, based on my insecurities. Like I wanted a nose job. I wanted... Why? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Oh, because when I was 15, I had the tiniest little bump. And obviously that was the end of the world. Because I think, right, to get really real for a minute, I think because when I was a teenager, I was I was underweight. I was gangly. But people kept telling me how I fit everything because I was skinny. I picked apart a lot of other very, very minor issues based on the kind of shit that people would circle in magazines. And one of those things was that I had a really small bump on my nose. So I decided that I would like to straighten that out. One of them was that um, because I was quite gaunt looking, my ears stuck out a bit. I did briefly think about a boob job as well because I was flat as pancake. I was a relatively young teenager at the point of all these 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 thoughts. And I've, I've you know, like, grew out of them. But I think that that's the thing. That's like, I thought about it a lot as a teenager as something that I was, I wanted or was supposed to want in a way that I do not feel, I guess it goes back to like the care and don't care, like care about things that people want you to care about or don't care about things. I don't feel like I am ashamed of anything that makes me older, like wrinkles or saggy skin or whatever. Like I am happier now in in my looks and everything than I have been and I'm perfectly happy to have wrinkles everything that so I personally don't feel like I'm more happy basically in my body now than I ever was when I was younger despite the fact that I have a lot of body hang-ups but none of my body hang-ups they probably could be solved with what I deem a quick fix but part of it is that I deem it as a quick fix like cheating part of it is that I would prefer to just be myself like being myself has got me pretty okay in looks and attitude so far I would I would much rather just try and hold on to that and I feel like if I started to unpick that that I would unpick a lot of very hard work that I've done over the last 15 16 years 
to get over some stuff that I'm not happy about. Yeah, it's not it's not for me. That being said, you know, to your point about piercings, I have I have a nose piercing. I have tattoos. I think of them as adornments rather than changes. You know, in my previous thoughts of having a nose job or a boob job, it is because I am unhappy with that portion of my body and feel like it needs to change. I don't feel like my skin needs to change. I feel like I would like to add something to it. Yeah, I think that's a really fair way of, of looking at it. My my point with bringing it up is more how much should people be allowed to change? Not allowed, that's not what I mean. How much? Where, the par- where are the parameters? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I don't, I don't believe that getting your ears pierced is <laughs> equal to getting a boob job for various reasons, one of which is that you don't have to be under general anaesthetic to get your ears pierced. I'd just like to, sorry, can I just say, I'd just like to say, I don't, if someone wants to do that, if someone feels like they want to get any of the procedures that I mentioned for any of the same reasons that I mentioned, more power to you, like do what you want to do. I felt like my reasons for doing it were the wrong reasons and would ultimately not have solved any of the problems that I personally was going through. Whatever you want to do to your body is entirely your choice. We are not here to cast aspersions on that. We are just here to offer our own opinions on what we would do with ours, essentially. Not to do with what you want to do with yours. You crack the fuck on. What about you, Samantha? Would you would you want oh. a needle in your face? I honestly right. I am yeah. <laughs> I would if I had the money, I there's a lot I would get done which makes me a bit sad because I'm like, why do you feel like you need this? But also it's like, because I'm really lazy, uh, which is not to say that everyone who gets plastic surgery is lazy. That's not what I mean. It's just for me, I am, like you said, Kim, about the, the quick fix thing. If someone could knock me out, sort all of this out, and then I'd wake up and be like, yeah, brilliant. Here's 50 grand. Wonderful. On my way. Even though I know that doesn't fix what's in my brain. I know all of that. It doesn't fix society. I'm fully aware do you think that's because of aging or do you think no. that's just body confidence that in is, general? That is the one thing, actually. That's a very good point. Uh, I I think I'm fine with looking older. I'm just not fine with having the same problems I've had for the rest of my life. Looking older, I don't know if it's because I am overweight with oily skin, but I don't think I look the age I am. And so I haven't had to really deal with the looking older part so much so it hasn't really come up but the rest of it yeah sculpt me do whatever you wish you're always your own worst critic i think if we and frankly if 2020 hasn't aged us (laughs) i feel like i've aged 60 years since 2016 since my wine was made and it's ageless. We are tired. We are haggard. We are staring at ourselves all the time. No one can be asked to put makeup on. No one can be asked to dress properly. The lighting's terrible. The hair's probably unwashed. Just like, fuck it. Like, it's going to give everyone a complex. The fact, the hard fact of the matter is that we're all doing fine and that we're aging gracefully. I'm not fully grey yet, which I consider a victory. I have noticed in the last six months maybe i am molting more than i ever have before you don't worry we'll tell you if you look like elton john if you could that'd be great we're gonna do it through the method of piano and song i mean that's the only way i'm gonna hear it so frankly if you don't i'll be offended <laughs> seems to me you look just like a boiled egg in the <laughs> what are you looking forward to about getting older because i think there are things i'd like to be more positive on this point of the podcast because we all know that it gets to the point of ah oh, women get to 35 essentially useless in society historically if you haven't had a baby i'm looking forward to being a little bit mad okay okay more, more so in way? <laughs> more so you know like the joe browns of the world and even the emma thompsons of the world and all sorts they're just like eccentric yeah they're little they're, they're a little bit they're a little bit eccentric and they're they you know like they they helena bottom carter yeah, they oh, cut their yeah. chickens, and I'm thinking of a um a particular family friend who who sadly died a few years ago. But she is like the ultimate. She was the ultimate like retired sixty something woman. She had her farmhouse and she had her chickens, and she was just like, I'm gonna do what I want. I'm gonna be on this family pan, you know, like this 
village pantomime because I want to and I'm going to wear ridiculous gowns and I'm going to float around my garden and I'm going to ride a tractor in the dark and she just gave <laughs> it and she was just a little bit mad and she'd talk to the chickens and she'd cluck at the dog and she'd she'd collect random little herbs just for the sake of it and she'd pile jam jars up in really weird parts of the house and it was all just fine and no one questioned her because they were like you've you've done your bit you've you've given your absolute joy of a life to society and now you can just be a little bit insane and that's what I want and I'm just ready to fully embrace like the lavender gin and the smelling of like Epsom bath salts and Earl Grey and being a little bit dithery and weird and knitting booties for strangers I'm just here for it by booties you mean knitted butts I'm 100% here for it I'll knit you a butt Please knit me a butt. (laughs) Knit me a butt to wear over my butt because I guarantee it will be smoother than mine. I can't hear it any other way now apart from butt. Booty. Booty. Baby booty. I'm just imagining imagining (gasps) Sam twerking with like a knitted knitted bum. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Kim, you're going to go mad. Look after some chickens. Make knitted bums. And make your own gin. Are we talking about like getting old as a, a full stop or things we're looking forward to as we get older? Things that are not necessarily available to you now that will be... will Things that you envision being part of your life as you grow older. Um, It's quite interesting because I would usually go down the route of thinking, who am I going to be as an elderly person? And I think fucking 2020 being almost stuck in like standstill on pause has made me think and be excited about all the stuff that can possibly be in the future so I think in answer to that question I'm excited about all the adventures be it small like going with my friends to the pub or or like you know going on holiday to a different country or going traveling or buying a house or starting a family or whatever it might be I'm so excited for the adventures that are going to come in the future and I've never felt that way before and I think it is because of 2020 being able to be like fuck it when I'm allowed to do everything that I now can't do I'm going to make full use of it and I'm going to be excited and I'm, I just can't wait. So I know that's maybe not the old lady knitting booties, but I'm excited for all the things to come. I love that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sam, what's yours? Oh, death. Um, <laughs> uh, no. So I, I am, I was thinking about this and it's really hard because I'm not a person who looks forward to the future with anticipation. I'm a person who looks forward to the future with dread. That's just the way I am. That's the way I'm wired. It's, well, God, what's coming is going to be awful. I'll fuck better. Try and prepare for it in whatever way I can. So trying to do that is trying to think of something positive is quite hard for me, which is not to say that positive stuff isn't going to be there because I know it will, but it's not the way I think. So I'm looking forward to being, oh God, wanky, 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 but I'm looking forward to being a part of the things that I know that my friends are going to do and my friends are going to achieve and my family are going to do and my family are going to achieve. I'm looking forward to weddings. I'm looking forward to people starting their families. Even though I don't like kids, I'm looking forward to them being happy. I'm looking forward to dogs. Um, I'm looking forward to um, hopefully doing some more traveling and the actual act of aging doesn't, scare me other than pain I'm worried about pain I'm worried about what might be in my future I'm worried about what might be in everyone's future but the actual like getting older I don't give a shit I don't care that I'm going to get older because everyone gets older if they're lucky and that's fine and if I could plot my future it's going to be living on my own in a cottage on the moors with 15 dogs writing shitty romance novels that's what I want the dream. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm just here for you guys for as long as I can be. I'll live in the neighbouring cottage. It'd be great. The neighbouring cottage is like 15 miles away. Oh yeah, by which I mean Dartmoor and you're on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> um, can you send messages via carrier pigeon? 
Uh, no, but I will send them via the local uh, hot donkey boy. <laughs> I was going to say I'll, I'll send you a terrier and you send me a terrier back. No, no, no. I need some like, you know, small young eye candy, by which I mean like 23, but ripped stable boy taking my messages sure, sure, to sure, and fro. Sure. Snatch, snatch. No to doubt, the post doubt. office where they will then be emailed because <laughs> <laughs> they won't have Wi-Fi. Yeah, I don't know. There's nothing really that I'm like... This this is going to be a great thing about aging, but no, there's nothing that the I'm best. like. You're looking forward to living, which I love that. And also, I'm looking forward to not having periods. So that's going to be nice. <laughs> so basically, when we reach the menopause, great. Yeah, although vaginal dryness, not here for that. Uh, bit of lube, so a little bit of lube for the donkey boy. It's fine <laughs> <laughs> in the stable before he takes my message to tell you guys, guys, I fucked the donkey boy. <laughs> Come round for wine. (laughs) Finally, to wrap up the episode today, what would you like to tell your younger self? If let's let's put an age on this, let's say if you could talk to you at fifteen, what would you say? Nothing that is making you feel like the worst person in the world is going to make you feel like that forever. That the people that matter to you. Like, the, the, the people that are going to matter aren't going to suddenly decide to start hating you. Your sister is your best friend. Be nice to your mum. She's having a hard time too. And it's okay to keep liking what you like and keep being interested in what you're interested in because it's going to get you somewhere. I think I would say it's okay to be happy. I remember at 15, a lot of my friends were going through a lot of hard times I think, and that followed me into adulthood, that a lot of the time I would be okay and a lot of my friends would be having tough times and I'd feel quite guilty about that. So I think it's okay to be happy would be my first advice. And it's okay to slow down. Don't feel that the grass is always greener. Actually, in the moment, is fine and it's good and enjoy it and enjoy the ride. Don't just seek out what the next thing is. What about you, Samantha? Have you got any words of advice for your 15-year-old self? Yeah, I think I'd probably say this isn't, it's going to get better. This is not how life is going to be. And just because you think you're the dog's fucking bollocks at school right now doesn't mean anyone's going to give a shit in 10 years' time. So maybe rein it in a bit. Um, I think would be, and you've talked about this, Alex, before about the like big fish and small pond thing, and then you move to the big pond and you are a minnow. Um, teeny tiny fish, (laughs) teeny fish, (laughs) yeah. And don't settle for the minimum that you think you can have, enjoy what you deserve. So I think that brings us to the end of the show this week. But before we go, we have some wines to rate. So then, who wants to go first? You know what? I will, because it's my birthday. Um, it's your birthday. <laughs> it's my birthday. birthday. Happy birthday. I'm going to rate the Barossa Inc, which has been sat in a very decorative box uh, in my cupboard for the last year. The year's ageing has not made a huge difference to the wine. It does taste slightly sweeter than usual. But beyond that, it's good. This is a wine I know I like. Australian reds are, if I'm having a red, Australian red is the way to go. So winner, winner, winner. Um, I'm going to give this full and, I was going to say the word crunchy, probably not the word I want. (laughs) This full-bodied red, a 3.5. I'll go, I'll go with my Vel del Bio Bio. Do, 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 do. Do, do, do. I mean, I haven't finished the bottle. I've still probably got about two glasses left in it. I'm going to give it a two. I'm not going to go in much detail. I think it's fine. It's just not my bag. Wouldn't wouldn't buy it again, would drink it. But that's just my like, response to everything. Two, two, bit crap. Not my bag. Seven quid. Mm. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> and Kim, your coat de Rhone. My coat de Rhone. It was not great. Pretty sour. Not in a this wine is off because it's been stored for four years kind of way, but just in a like this is not a great flavour kind of way. I um, During the break, I 
gave a glass of it to my partner because I didn't want to drink it all. And <laughs> not to disparage him, but he's he's pretty understanding about this kind of thing. <laughs> and he wasn't super into it either and also said that it, it, it just was quite sour and tart. So a drag name. Um Ladies the thing is stage sour tart <laughs> the first the first like bit of it the first like couple of sips are really punchy and really juicy and you're like oh this is nice and actually the longer it's open the less tart it becomes i think it mellows a little bit but it's still just not really it's not easy drinking and it was 14 pounds plus delivery so it cost me about 18 pounds altogether and that's why i'm gonna give it 1.5 which i'm really sorry because i think that probably it deserves more than that like probably it's better wine the 1.5 but my personal experience with it has been disappointing and i'm very sorry so that's it for Grape Culture this week. But if you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram at Grape Culture Podcast. We're on Twitter at Grape Culture Pod. Or you can go to the Grape Culture website, which is www.grapeculturepodcast.co.uk. So that is it for this week. But if you'd like to come back in two weeks, we will have a brand new episode for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. 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 Bye.